0: We're available on Facebook as Latin Proud Orlando and on Twitter as LPO underscore podcast. Thank you so much for listening and ¡Vamos Orlando! Welcome everybody. How you doing? It's Monday, March fourteenth, eight thirty-two p.m. Thank you so much. This is Loud and Proud Orlando. My name is Luis Carlos Pineda, and we are live. Uh, thank you to everybody that's in our Twitter, Twitter account, Facebook account, YouTube account for Loud and Proud Orlando. Thank you so much for joining. We have, a, as you can see, a special guest today, um, Orlando City legend uh, Spend Four. I mean, one of the top scorers, I think, with uh, a purple jersey. Well, f- red jersey at first, and then it kind of, you know, we kind of turned into purple, and we'll talk about that. Uh, the great Dennis Chin. How are you, Dennis?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm happy to to get back in front of the
0: Orlando crowd, you know? Awesome, awesome. And obviously, as always, we have Mr. Dave Valentin. How are you doing, sir? I still believe in Dennis Chen.
2: Just want to let everybody know that uh, an honor to have one of the greatest to wear our collars, Mr. Dennis Chen. Uh, not only himself, but his family have contributed to the growth of our, our club, uh, the formation of our club. Uh, a man that we owe him a little gratitude, and I am super excited to have him here tonight to talk about his career, what he's doing now, and of course to talk about. The Orlando City Lions.
0: Uh, well, Dennis, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pretty much uh, start, um, you know, just sharing this this picture that that it it brings a lot of memories. Uh, some players uh, that you see in this picture. I mean, what a squad, right? I mean, former coaches, current coaches, uh, player agents, uh, but it kind of everybody is. Uh, you know, is part of the growth of the sport in this country, which is uh, the craziest part, right? Uh, this particular squad, um, Jamie Watson, you know, uh, I think you got so many assists from Jamie Watson uh, on your, on your playing career with Orlando. And, and, and now he, he definitely has to comment, um, you know, when he plays, you know, sometimes against Orlando city, the market that he's working with playing against Orlando city. So, um, first and foremost um you still keep in touch with rob with with kevin with, with carl you know i remember adama and i don't know if it sounds familiar Adam and he was such a great great player as well back in the day you still keep in touch with them you know from your playing days what are something that you can give advice especially now that you're obviously what you're currently doing now play you know player agent Um uh, what are some things that you can give advice to, you know, those young players that are aspiring to be footballers and, and making it into this league?
1: Oof, that's, a, that's a pretty big question. Uh, but uh, first question is, yeah, uh, I keep up with most of, the, most of those guys, a lot, uh, especially the guys that, I mean, a lot of us have played together like at least three, four years. So you have a, a certain bond. Uh, obviously we all are in a, a little bit of a different world, families and stuff like that. But, and, and Miami FC, he was at Inter Miami assistant. Spoke to him just like a couple of days ago. Um, Rob obviously is at Atlanta United. Yeah. Kevin's at Columbus Crew, which Kevin was always one of my my closest friends here. Um, obviously, not in this picture right now because Sean's there, but Miguel is a guy I, I oh, speak yeah. to probably most often out of these guys. Um, Luke uh, Bowden's at um, Rollins right now, she's so he's down the street. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, we all pretty – It's it, it was such a tight, tight, tight group um, of guys that, you know, it was obvious that when it was all said and done that we would somewhat keep together in a bit because, um, you know, Eric Eustrup was here for, you know, obviously he was a big part of the growth in Orlando. Um, and I spoke to him just this weekend as well. Um, who am I missing? James O'Connor. Um, right. Yeah. He's probably one of the best of us. I feel like this guy's—he's—he's uh, he's like a big role model. Like he's so organized, so like passionate. Um, didn't have the best coaching, <laughs> side. <of the> <laughs> but that's a story for another day. But uh, that's the guy, you know, as well. And, you know, so it was good. But um, to answer your second question about um, for the younger guys, um, there's one thing I've—I really really, really been interested in since I was playing for Orlando is the next generation of guys coming up. Um, a lot of it had to do with the fact that I had younger brothers um, that were also trying to see and make their place in the world of football. Um, and my, my brother, closest to my age, Jamie, he ended up getting an internship at Orlando City in the PR department area while um, I was playing and then the rest is history ended up getting a job, did well, then he went to Portland Timbers, and now he's killing it at uh, Chicago Fire as their senior director of communications. Oh, so wow. he had the ability of playing, but uh, he just couldn't wake up those early mornings to trade. So he's <laughs> like, I'll move our side instead. He had the time. And then all uh, my two other brothers, um, Alex uh, is at UCF right now, but he had a good playing youth career as well. but. He seems to want to be in that front office side, just like my other brother. And then the other brother that seems to be wanted to play is my youngest. That's just turned 18. And he's off to Syracuse. He's at Mount Verde at SEMA in that illustrious SEMA program that's producing all the pros. Um, but because those guys are all around, I was then in contact and watching games of guys like jordan bender that came through and right. Loera and raul aguilera and all those kids like since they were eight and nine years old i either were coaching them playing with them and and thomas williams now on this team yeah. like, all those guys were on, the, on my younger brother's team so <laughs> it's funny that uh, they're now it makes me feel old that uh, now they're the ones wearing the purple in the, in the stadium and, and um and it's, it's just a, it's a good, it's, a, it's, it's great to see the process of um, from kids to pros and I hope there's more. I think there's a lot of talent here. Um, I just think that um, it's very difficult to make a chunk. Um, It takes a lot of patience. Um, so a lot of the parents, they just want your kids like, oh my God, we just need to be a pro, but it's a 0.01% of those kids will make it. Out of the entire academy, I know you see homegrowns getting signed left and right, but some of those some of those kids um, won't have a five-year career, a four-year career. So it's 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 a big, very big sacrifice for maybe not as much as we intend, you know, in the long run. But the best thing I can say is that just throughout the it's, it's going to be a lot of hardships to get there. But as long as you love the game and you really, really have that urge to make it despite the odds you you will have a great chance but without that i don't think you're gonna play it. there's too many guys out there hungry that that need to feed a family that you have to compete with if you don't have that that hunger you're not gonna make it it's just that simple connections can only get you somewhere like being in the agent side now i know that people think that just having a good agent is just what you need like ah, if i just decided a good agent you know but At the end of the day, is what you do on the field. If you're – I can be the best. I can be Mina Raiola. I can try to get you to Man Man United, and I push you right there (laughs) on the field. And if you suck it up on the field for for a minute, they'll take you right off. (laughs) That's all.
0: And and a lot of people don't take into consideration. And, and again, you know, and I think I'm sure you probably – if you kept up with the club, you know, we just signed Facundo Torres. Orlando City just signed Facundo Torres. The negotiation with any club, I mean, it, it just depends on. You know, it is tough, especially with a with a with a player that is sought after many other clubs. I mean, you, your offer has to be the best uh, compared to all the other ones. So it's not just like, oh, um, you just wake up and you're like, yeah, Facundo Torres, I'm I'm getting off the shelf. It's you know, no, there is a tough negotiation, right, uh, that it comes with, with just handling, even if it's. You know, USL, MLS, uh, you know, um, Portuguese Liga. I mean, it it is a tough negotiation, right? Uh, When it comes to dealing with clubs. It's,
1: I I, obviously being a player on the player side, I had an inkling. (laughs) You know, you you kind of see what's behind the scenes because I had family in the front office. My wife now, she started, she was one of the original that started with uh, K, that helped build the foundation as well. So I, I I, saw it from a community relations aspect with my wife. Mm. I saw it from the PR aspects from my brother. And then my dad was, you know, dabbling in uh, all the the investment aspects of it. And so I saw it from an ownership aspect as well. And then obviously I was on the field and I saw it from playing aspect. So I had a pretty big picture look on football as a business. And... As a passion, and what um, I never in <laughs> being on the agent side now, and I was always very close with my agent throughout time. Um, I had a cu- couple agents, but I had only two agents. But this, my last one was was the one I was really close to. And he's the one who said, "Hey, uh, you have that gift." I think to to you know because being agents, merely being a, a very good people person, you know, <laughs> one of the things. But another thing is every agent has a different gift. Some are really good with negotiating those fees, like you're saying. They're, you know Some are really good at spotting the talent. Some are really good at um, speaking with the players and keeping their players motivated. And I just want to be all of those in combined. But with, you said, with like Torres and all that, that stuff, um, when you have a player that's super talented and showing shown it on the field and you have all these Big clubs, maybe looking. I, I, that that That's just a melting pot for chaos. Right, <laughs> right, just, right. Every day, like the player is asking his agent, you know, oh, what now? Who is next? And it depends on the player's personality. Some players are very, very back off and they don't, you know, they just let, let the agent do, let the guys know to know there's Some players are really like, every moment, they'll, they'll go on a press conference and they're like, oh, I love playing for Pedderall, best club ever, never gonna leave right as the cause of the injury. All right, so is Arsenal interested? <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a part of the game right now. It's part of, it's just, players have ambitions. We, right it's one thing where you only have a finite amount of time that you can do this career. So everyone's in a rush. It's really hard to get someone to be patient and say, hey, you might need to make this step before you make this step. I mean, you might be, and, and one of my biggest things, and that's why I think of my company's chin with a Y, is I like to get the players to think, why are you playing football? Are you playing it for money? Because you need to financially support your family. And that's why you, that's your motivation. Are you playing for pride? Because you know that, hey, I want to be the best player on the field. Are yeah, you playing it for... For, for to be famous, because if I ain't get so good that everyone <laughs> on the TV and then I'm getting blah, blah, blah. But it's really important. I feel like a lot of people vilify player, players, especially that look good for the money. But I'm, I'm, everyone has their job, I'm sure. Exactly. They, they, they just, <laughs> they're gonna want the one who's giving them most, most money. They're gonna be like, all right, let me just work at Enterprise car rental when you know when the other car rental place is going to give you more money you're not going to be that you
0: know right
1: it's just the same thing with the player but uh but once they know that then it becomes a lot easier for you to make those decisions so if I was saying hey I want to play the highest level possible every player says this so just keep that in mind let's <laughs> just yeah. keep that fire I want to play the highest uh, uh the highest level possible and you're saying, what is the highest limit possible for you? He might think that's the La Liga. Another guy says the Premier League. Whatever. He thinks it's La Liga. Let's say that. And they're saying, all right, I want to play for Barcelona or Real Madrid. How do you get there? Can you jump from Panoram to Real Madrid? Uh, not at 21. Mm-hmm. You might need a secondary jump. Well, what's the best secondary jump? Are you, should you go to Mallorca, a small La Liga club? Or should you go to this big marketing thing we call MLS? Which the MLS right. and USL in America right now is doing very well with marketing players, as you see, their players leaving for Arsenal and all these places left and right. So, with that said, I think that's what I, I, uh, Ricardo and all those guys, Luis probably did. They used use that and said, "Hey, you want to be there? We can get you there. We have this great coach. We have these this ability to to get star players. Look, we had Kaká, we had Nani. Like you know, these guys were before you." like pato is here like let's go do it and he's gonna be like all right money wise gonna be better all right family experience i'm gonna be in a good warm place in florida everyone wants to be near disney that's great and then he says all right have we seen players make that jump to la liga and then if that's so then obviously they have there's guys jumping the premier league so he's like all right all the boxes now after that the clubs have to get a good form and then you got to look at visas and you got to look at there's so much that goes into it so those guys we all are obviously as fans we get saying we want to get these players and these players but there's so much that goes into it there's so many sleepless nights for the guys in the front office yeah
0: exactly uh, and 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 it needs a lot of you know support from each side right each side plays an intricate part and i think that's what the fan sometimes misses, right? They misses the point that, you know, they think a negotiation is just gonna be a snap of your fingers and you're done. Oh, yeah. No, it doesn't work that way. It, it, it takes a, a lot of a lot of brains to 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 make it happen. So, um, just gonna switch him back and just gonna give him the mic to, to Dave. Um, you know, he's gonna kind of talk about your your, your career. Obviously, uh, we see this picture here. Uh, you know, uh, obvious obviously, you always had a specific celebration you know, going on, um, and obviously, I mean, that team of Orlando City, I mean, it just brings uh, so much uh, joy to a lot of fans, to, to a lot of people that, like myself, that like, you know, pretty much saw this team since it started, you know, and then making the transition to uh, Disney, you know, and, and then obviously then clinching MLS, and we still remember this crest, right, uh, for, for the longest time, and, uh, you know, we hope to uh, at some point uh, we can have a retro kit too, you know, something similar that, you know, that the players can sport because Orlando is a, is a team that, you know, it was not just kind of like bought in. It, it, it was kind of Orlando won trophies in USL. And I'm going to ask a, a question after Dave about USL. Uh, Dave, go ahead, my friend.
2: No, absolutely, I didn't. I didn't want to interrupt the legendary, the true legendary, uh, Dennis Chen. Uh, I'm just a surper here. Hey, um, Dennis. So, 84 appearances for Orlando City, 22 goals. That's. Uh, I, I'm glad to say I was there for most of that. I, I've been following the club since 2011. Um, now, Orlando City the organization, obviously, now it's bigger. Got bought by billionaire uh, owners. Something that in 2011, if you would have told me that, I would have recommended that you went to see a psychiatrist or something like that. If you would have, you know, seen the the, the club in the in the Citrus Bowl, if anybody would have told me that names like Kaká, Nani would have been playing for this club, I I I just didn't see it back then. So my first question is. We see how the club now has these nice training facilities for the pride and for Orlando City, the academy, and all that. What was it like to play for Orlando City in those days? I mean, facilities, a way they travel, all that good stuff that we want to know. Because back then, uh, there was very few outlets that covered the club. I gotta give a shout out to Tom Van and Daniel Dennis, who uh, with Soccer Cast was basically the the podcast that was the forefront of information back in those days also okay rollins manning the twitter feed right um so what was it like man you know you have to go and play in richmond or in harrisburg or in charlotte um dayton Dayton, yeah those places what was it like to go on the road in usl and what was it like for the training facilities back in those days
1: all right, uh, this is funny. All right, I'm going to give you some real background on where, where our beginnings were. All right, I, I, if anyone knows... <laughs> all right, so when I came in, I was one of three rookies. Like, true, like, young guys on the team, right? I came in with this attitude that I'm going to just do everything they say. I just want this opportunity so bad to play for my hometown team. I'm going to listen to these vets. I'm going to pick up everything. I'm going to clean anything whatever they say so we actually used to train in deltona at those fields in deltona and that was a cu- quite a drive for a lot of us that you know obviously i was i was in the winter park and the Oviedo area sometimes my parents i was in Winter park i was finishing up college at rollins so that was quite the distance to like travel but the fields were great whatever we had no locker room One no training locker room or anything. We literally came to training in our training kits with with these blue Umbro. We were Umbro that first year. We had these blue blue, not purple, not
0: yeah. The Umbro kits.
1: kits he gave us like four of them, so we didn't have to do laundry every day. These short shorts and these random Umbro (laughs) socks, and uh, and they had no crest on it, no numbers, no age for Adrian Heath, no 15, nothing. Just literally just blew up, broke here. And we had to wash them ourselves. We had no kit, man. We had to wash them ourselves, everything ourselves. This is the starting of the club. This is the first year. So we had, like you said, no kit, man. So we had a penny back. We had pennies after every training, right? You, you wear the training. So to, to distinguish, if we use a certain color that day, we would put him aside and we use another color the next day blah 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 and then at the end when they, they, they're, they're too stinky and we didn't have them I would take them as the rookie of the team and go wash them at, at home of my house wow. so I would wash the wash the pennies and then the balls needed to be pumped we had no kickback so guess who pumped the ball this guy me and any <laughs> other rookie we just take turns and if we were training on a facility and, and the balls would not up to the certain degree that Ian or Asian liked them, they would just punt it in the air into the woods that we'd have to go get him and, and, and pump him. Yeah, it was like that. And, um, and on the way trip, so we traveled actually better than every, probably better than every other team, despite like the humble beginnings of the you no know, keep men, blah, blah, blah. We actually flew everywhere except for like Charleston, where we, you know, it was close enough as like a bus ride. We took like a sleeper bus. I remember it. Um, but we flew everywhere else. We stayed in decent hotels. But we if we had a time, and this happened to us when we had to go to Antigua. Remember, Antigua was in our league. We would have to, we played two games. We would have to wash our own kids. And I would have to go to the hotel in the laundromat and wash the kids with <laughs> the next game. With the,
0: with the coins, with the, the pennies. <laughs>
1: Yes, with a penny. They would give me a stack, some some coins, and wow. I would live there, sit there in the laundry room while everybody else was in the – me and Ian Fuller, because he was an assistant coach, and we would talk and I'd be on our phones and wait till the laundry said no one st- stole our kids. And then we he would go in before and you'd put them, set them all out for the players. They don't even know that, a lot of the players don't he would send them all out for the player and then I would help him and then we, I would come back in like nothing happened like oh my kid's ready like, <laughs> and that was the first year so that, that was the first year and in the second year we actually finally got Kurt Eustra so uh, Eric's brother like, took over as kit man and like that helped out a lot. No, I didn't have to, you know, we had to like uh, a proper situation. We were at Seminole. We finally got that Seminole training at uh, Seminole soccer as a training ground. They made like a, a makeshift locker room for us, and it was decent. And um, things started to change a little bit. But uh, we had like obviously that that facility was. We had a couple fields we just rotated through. It was the best we could think of up then. I mean, I don't know. I didn't play in any other usl clubs at that time but i would assume that we were uh in good position and what what we did better than anyone else was travel i thought we had the most professional travel system even before that because that's really how you win in the u.s if you can travel well in these distances i knew like there was harrisburg and those teams i think they would take like 18 hour bus trips and it was crazy. I heard those stories. I was lucky never to do that. All, all the teams I've ever played for was pretty high budget teams, but but yeah, that was it, it. Was it was a rough time. It was a rough time.
2: And that's something that us fans don't don't get to uh, to to know. You know, I actually read uh, Simon The uh, "Defy Expectations: The Orlando City Story" book. Uh, where a lot of these behind the scene uh, things uh, are brought up, and, and uh, thank you for sharing that story. Uh, everybody that knows me knows that if I couldn't be a biomedical engineer like I am today, I would have been a kid man. That's actually uh, no no jokes. That's actually uh, would have been my back career, and uh, but a- anyhow, um, let's let's go back for a second to the night of uh, Saturday, September thirteenth, twenty fourteen. Orlando City was playing against the Harrisburg City Islanders uh, in the quarterfinals, uh, 2014. Uh, we all expected to uh, get another uh, USL championship before leaving the league. Unfortunately, that night the Harrisburg City Islanders showed up with seven uh, Philadelphia Union low knees and they beat us one nil. Um, I Decided not to go to the game, and I'm embarrassed to say this, Dennis, because I said, hey, we're going to win the championship, so let me save my money. So I watched it on YouTube, and um, when I met um, uh, Tom Traxler and uh, Jeff Ratcliffe, I I, I told them that if somebody had to usher me through one of the worst nights of my life, I'm glad that it was them. Um, What happened uh, when you realized that it was all over, and the team was moving on, moving on without you. I mean, I know um, that at the end of the game, uh, the supporters obviously a, a little salty started screaming MLS, MLS, like saying, "Hey, we're leaving, so who cares?" But in retrospect, I think that um, they were not taking into account the feelings of people like yourself that had lifted this club under their shoulders over their shoulders for four years. Um, I mean, could you tell us? What was it like that night? The moon in the locker room
1: afterwards. Um, I'm going to give you the the, the big truth here. Um, this is this is this is this is deep. All right. So um, on my aspect, um, after I won like the golden boot and everything in 2012,
0: right. um, and Adrian Heath is probably the best coach I've ever had, still
1: to this day. Um, he was like a second dad to me. He believed in me more than anything else. He always thought I could reach way higher levels than I even thought. And I really, really wanted to play in Europe. I, I After 2012, I, I mean, I went to Chicago Fire. I was supposed to be going alone. And that fell through. DC United I had my rights. And that fell through. So many things behind the scenes that maybe fans didn't know what was happening fell through and in 2013 i kind of came back kind of reluctantly because i had felt that i had done anything i needed to do yet you know you know i was like hometown guy did that first year as a rookie did that second year uh won golden blue the champion you know we we had an on one i was like 2013 I mean, I needed, I was like, I have a finite time. Just like I told you about these players, you know, we have these right. like expectations I'm right. and I was like, I need to be moving on. And I was promised a bit that I would. So it was 2013 happened and nothing happened in that off season. And then you bring, they brought it Doc Dwyer to a guy that actually, I spoke to, to this year before that was not happening because we beat Sporting KC. Uh, I mean, we played Sporting KC in Open Cup. And um, and then it was kind of a rocky start because there was some you know you know me, I got injured and then he ended up balling, got <laughs> balled out, and I was like oh I, I was a golden rule guy this year this guy's taking over it kind of humbled me, and then I remember having a talk with Adrian before that 2013 players was Dom left and then we went into like a slump because I was not having, I had no confidence. Like at that point I was like, I don't know how to be here. I was getting yelled at in training. I, I, Agent Church uh, treated me like I was a boy since the beginning. Was like, no matter what I do, it was never enough. I scored two, one, it should have been three, I scored blah, blah, blah. But it was to push me. But after a while it became a lot, you know, a lot on the shoulders. And then he had this talk to me and he said, he's like, is like you have the ability and athleticism, and you have it all. You can play to your like 38, 40, because of your body type. is. you could be Henri, because this, but like you're doing nothing. You're not, if you don't win every race, you don't blah, 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 blah. blah. And it's like, this is playoff, this is your time. I'm giving you those reins right now. Show me that you are a good player. And I was like, all right. And then we went, we started killing it in the playoffs with Long Tan and you know what I mean? We went to 2013, killing everyone in the playoffs. It's like, I came alive. And then Long Tan got that red card and then Dom came back for the finals. And then we killed it again. And there was this big crowd and this MLS thing and blah, 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 blah. So while that was really big, And there's guys like Rob and Miguel and... You know, all those guys were like, I thought were shooing to follow the club, like shooing to follow the club. But everything changed after th- that MLS announcement. Like, first of all, I was, like I said, I was, for me, I wanted to, MLS, I, it wasn't even a thing that I considered. I, and I'm dead serious with you. I mean, so before that 2014 season, I was already thinking way out. I've already talked to Adrian. I was there, you know, to to give my best. That was my last year of my contract. After 2011, I signed a three-year deal, guaranteed, till 2014. I was, I don't know what, year, what else did, but they locked me up. So I was waiting for my, I couldn't have left. They didn't let me leave, so I was waiting until the end of 2014. So I had a whole different mindset than everyone else. I played it off, like, hey, MLS, dang, I didn't make it, but, like, I was never going to stay. So, um, it was a little bit different for me. I was just playing for the badge. I was playing for my hometown, and I wanted to, you know, move on. But when they started bringing in that 2014 team, and then they signed like they signed Danny Alvarez, which I love. Leonardo, he's one of my boys. Gio is one of my boys. And then Kevin to that first, like, MLS contract. Right. And then Tyler, I mean, Tommy Redding. I could see, like, the, some of the guys that were.
0: Darwin, right, also switched. Darwin Saran. Yeah, yeah,
1: Darwin Saran. I could see all those guys that have been there and have brought the club to where it needed to be. I could see them that way, like, on their shoulders. Like, it, it, we were such a close team, 2011, 2012, 2013. It was, like, the best. I mean, obviously, I had my personal struggle with Adrian and everything. But, like, those guys, like, they would fight, they would die for you. Like, anyone. Anyway. But 2014, that year it was just like so much weight on people's shoulders it became like we were expected to win every single game by a certain amount we were expected to play a certain way we expected the expectations were high and people were like oh if i made this mistake then i'm not they're not gonna bring me to mls and it was like tough so we, we obviously we went on through the season um and then we got to that that playoffs and we, you know, we were killing it. Kevin was crushing it, blah, blah, blah. But playoffs is really different, always different from regular season. Always different. And um, and Adrian went with a very young lineup to start. He had, you know, Estrella and, and um, Tommy, Tyler, um, H. All those guys started. All those guys were 19 at the time, if everyone remembers. They were all 19. And more like experienced guys were kind of on the bench and we we're just like, All right, let's see how this plays out. And they scored that early goal and then everyone on the bench looked at each other like, Uh, what's gonna happen here? But we were like, Oh, we're you know, we're Orlando, you know, the usual, we just come back and kill it three one, something like that. And then they you just it just started frustrating and then Angel was like, warm up, warm up, warm up, telling all of us to get back in. Like he wanted the guys that have been there to get back in. And um I remember I remember just trying to get through, nothing would fall through. I remember like a header I had over the bar and then, and I remember that final whistle blowing. And I at first before that I was like, it's just gonna be a relief. You know what I mean? I, I was thinking like this season needs to like end. In my eyes, I was like, I I remember the pressure on everyone. I was like, I just wanna win and then let's move on. But when that final whistle broke, it's like it all like hit me like, oh, that was my last game for my hometown team. And, and I could, like, I felt, I, I, I think I cried. And I remember, I probably didn't show to because halfway of it was upset. I was really angry. I was really angry because I felt like, you know what I mean, we shouldn't have lost. I was angry at first, and then we got into a locker room and I saw the looks and I, I, I it was pretty emotional. Um, because we knew, we all knew deep down, it, it was like that, the end of something. You know, we didn't know what it was then, but it was. So when those meetings started getting called, because after the season, you have that end of the year meeting, and then the, the coaching staff usually calls you in one by one. you have time slots You go in. And I was hearing texts like, they didn't take Rob, or they didn't like, Bob. and I was expecting these guys to like, you know, make it. And I was like, whoa, what is going on here? And it was some really, really sad stuff. And, um, and I remember going into my meeting, but I, I was like leaving. So it was like, it wasn't as emotional for me. You know, when I was there, I remember I was just me and Adrian and then uh, Paul McDonough was in the office uh, chit chatting. And I was like, and he's like, just remember what we built here. I remember he said, it's like, nothing, no one can ever take this away from us. Remember what happened, what we built here this is going to be a whole new chapter. He's like, right now it's half of the boys. He's like it's the worst, one of the worst days of my life. He said, he goes right now, it's you guys two years or so from now it'll be me. That's exactly what he told me. What happened two years? <laughs>
0: That's right.
1: But, uh, but, but yeah, it was a crazy time. Um, it seems like obviously from a supporting aspect, it's like MLS, it was really exciting. Even for my right. own brother, my brother was going up with the team to the MLS. It was like, oh, these big leagues. Uh, my wife, you know, <laughs> she was going up. But um, for, me, for me, it was a lot different. Um, and for a lot of those guys, I think that that really crushed a lot of guys. Mm. I, I, there's no reason why what Rob, I, I think Rob Valentino shouldn't have gone up with that team. Right. I don't
2: really know. Also- how
1: at least a third keeper. Like, come on! Like, there's no reason I think those guys should have gone up, and especially because that 2015 team didn't make playoffs, anyways. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. At least let those guys jump, you know, with you. Uh, uh, it was it was crazy times.
2: And and then it's uh, my last question to you. <clears throat> you said that you wanted to play overseas, and you actually had that opportunity with Irani Nasher, uh, which plays. Uh, were you there when they got promoted to second division?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I only got, I, brought, I got brought in to help them in the second. Okay, fantastic. There. They, they, they relegated really after me. Yeah,
2: yeah <laughs> I, know I know that. I know that. Everybody knows I'm, I'm am I'm a, a big uh, Israeli football guy, and I follow Maccabi Haifa. And, and Nesher is a suburb of uh, of Haifa, and I also work for a company. Um, I'm not gonna say the name. <laughs> they, that uh, it's based out of uh, Yokenam, which is just another suburb of, of Haifa. I've been to Haifa. Um, love the place, and uh, it also helps when you're Jewish. Your wife is Jewish, right? Um, but uh, did you? Uh, how was your experience in Israel? Because I know a lot of people don't know this. In Israel, the the the, the weekend is actually uh, Friday and Saturday. Monday's the first day of the week. You also have Shabbat. You know the Sabbath. This this huge concept where Businesses close down at sundown on Friday and don't reopen until Saturday at at sundown. There's different holidays for the high holidays. The country basically shuts down for two, two uh two weeks. Then you have uh, Yom Kippur where like everything ceases to exist. There's no traffic in the street, so it's a big culture shock for people uh for me, you know like I said, I have grown up uh with Judaism as this religion that evolves in a foreign culture. But there, you get to live it, right? Um, so I wanted to ask about your experience there, also if you ever got to go to the Haifa uh, derby, and uh, how, how was everything? Because obviously, after that, you returned to uh, to the United States to finish your career.
1: Um, I loved it. That's one of the favorite places I've ever played. Um, my agent at a time, who's now he's actually now the sporting director at uh, New Mexico United. But uh, he's Israeli. So I actually got seen playing for Ottawa in, in ASL because they brought, he brought in an Israeli national team player. And he went, we're on the same team. And he saw me there. And then, and then this coach that was friends with my agent, went boyhood friends with my agent, saw me there. And then, you know, I was like, hey, like, we want that guy. We want that tour. And um, so I came in as their big signing to like, you know, obviously keep them up because <laughs> they're promoted. They uh, keep them up. And um, you were only allowed three foreign players. So keep in mind, there's a lot of pressure. we were like DPs of the team. So we got brought in, gave me a house, car. Um, I had a, a really, in a really good area, really good neighborhood. Um I loved every minute. I loved it as far as living wise. I know it was like it's culturally a lot different in a certain aspects, but everyone was nice. Everyone was friendly. Um, there was we had Arabic, Muslim guys on my team. It wasn't any problem. Um, There's you know some little cultural things with you know Shabbat and like things being closed certain times, but it, it, we I got over it pretty easily, especially since most people spoke English. So um, that made life a lot easier. Um, because we were so close to, uh, we were literally in a suburb, pretty much a suburb of, of Haifa. We, I, I, we used Maccabi Haifa's um, training stuff as far as like medical stuff. So if I, I, got a, I remember I got a, like a hip flexor injury and I would be in there training stuff. So we played Maccabi Haifa a couple of times. We played uh, HaPoel Haifa a couple of times. I thought I was gonna end up at Apple at one point. Um Thank God, way. brother. <laughs> <laughs> I hate oh. the sardines,
2: man. I do. Uh,
1: yeah. And um, <laughs> but once, but but no, I never actually made it into the Derby game. I was obviously around doing it and I've seen I was watching it, I've seen it on TV, but I spent a lot of my time in Tel Aviv. So what I used to do is after I played my game on Friday for Fridays, a lot of our games are on Friday, I would get on a train, fifty five minutes, and go to Tel Aviv, and I would hang out with Aaron Schoenfeld. That was he was at, he was playing for um, at that time Hapoel Tel Aviv, but then he transferred to Maccabi Tel Aviv, and then uh, my other friend um, Nico Olsak, that yeah, was playing for Maccabi Netanya. So we're all like American like you know American guys playing in Israel so I used to hang out with them in Tel Aviv so that's that's where I used to be um, but I didn't go to the, uh, the derby um, I just I, at that time I was like pretty focused on like playing Hanging out with my friends. <laughs> with
2: my friends. Yeah, yeah. I, so, something that needs to be clarified for for people that are not familiar with Israel, Tel Aviv is super secular. So you know, while the rest of the country shuts down for for the Sabbath or for holidays, they are going strong till six in the morning in the clubs. So yeah. uh, I, I see why <laughs> you would like to go go over there. But that, that's that's all the questions that I have, man. I know. Yeah. Um, I know you closed your, your career with the Richmond Kickers. It bothered me. It used to be a rival of ours in, back in the old era. But uh, like we always say, you you gotta make a buck, right? You gotta you gotta uh, you gotta work. Uh, so um, you finish your career and you go into your your agency. Uh, can you tell us? Um, what, what is it like to, to manage people's careers that are putting trust in you? And also, uh, how does an a, a agency make money? And, uh, and, and lastly, uh, how do you approach the clubs? Because I, I personally have spoken with uh, Ricardo Moreira many times, but it's always from the perspective of the club that is trying to get a, a, a player for a decent amount of money. But how is it? How is it when you're on the other side when you're selling the product and you're hoping that somebody will buy it? Um,
1: oh, it's stressful. Yeah, <laughs> it's I mean, stressful because um, I have a very like a lot of guys in my position and agents and agencies are are, are are lawyers, are lawyer based. You know, they're it's, they're very they're contract negotiators. You know what I mean? They're they're big on like. This is what the value of my my my, my player is. This is what he deserve. Negotiate deal, take my percentage. Next, call it up. But I my approach has been mainly on the human side. Like I want really talented players. Yes, because if you don't have really talented players, it doesn't matter how good of a guy you are. Just, it's just too difficult. So I want really talented players. Yes, but I speak to all my players weekly. I I. We focus on the technical aspect. I was a player. I I mean, I I was a player coach as well at Richmond. Um, I really care about, I I think my gift really in football is seeing how things fit. Like I can see a player and I can tell you his talents and I can see how, I can tell you how to improve his talents and where it fits. And then I can manage that into into the end product. That is my gift. Now, a lot of people have these technical gifts. That to, you know, that that is my gift on the outside of play. Um, so, I if I see something in a player, I can usually say, "All right, this kid has these tools. Great for yourself. Maybe great for MLS. This is this is mainly his reach. This is mainly his you know his ceiling. Blah blah blah." Um, so, you, what I would do. What I try to do is I try to learn everything you, you try to learn everything you want about the play, the family life, there, you know, da-da-da-da. And then I have this advantage that I've lived it as well. Like I've lived what he's living. I know I have that empathetic, I can feel what he's feeling, I know what it feels like. To, to to get injured and not able to play. I know what it feels like to be out of the lineup. But all the negative aspects, what they need the most all the time, I can speak to them through it and that's where, that's my value to them in a, in a sense. So once you, I can show that, I can tell them and show them, hey, this is how I can be of value to you. This is why you should trust me in a sense. Um, my biggest thing is that I'm never going to stand in their way. So if, they're, if you think that I am not the guy to get you there, do not sign. <laughs> like, I don't want to afford it. I don't, because it's not going to work out anyway. So if you have that hope, if you fight, want to fight with me, I'm going to fight for you. So when we sign, I, a lot of, the, the max you can take is 10%. So, so if Orlando City's paying, uh, you, you you say a one year deal for $100,000. So you get ten if you if you get help that guy sign up to that team, ten percent is the max you can get. How most teams will only pay an agent five percent of that. So five thousand dollars is pretty much from the club. And then a lot of agents because they don't want you know they don't want bulk and blah blah blah. They the payer the player will pay them down that five percent. My I hated paying that extra 5% as a player. Uh, so I don't like my players never pay. I, for me, it's strictly from the club. Um, it's my job to negotiate anything else, but it's usually that 5% on whatever um, I can negotiate. So it's all in my hands because now it's that competitive side for me. I want to get the, the best like, contract ever because so, it, it helps me as well. But I'm really realistic. And that's why I feel like I've had so, we have had so many signings in this window. I, if I know a guy should be getting eighty thousand, I'm not going to tell you to sign it for one hundred twenty-five thousand because I know that there's going to be this gap here where you're going to have one hundred twenty-five thousand worth of expectations when he can't deliver. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know right, what that's I mean? Right. So there, there's a point that you have, you you think for a player, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, get me that, get me that. I'm I'm thinking like for your mental health. Play in this region because this is what you're going to get you to this $500,000 region. But if you're an $80,000 player, you're paying on a $150,000 salary. You're not getting $150,000 worth of work. People are going to look at you different and you're not going to be in lineup. You're not going to get that next contract the next year. So I see that. I see that long-term aspect. It's better for, I don't care about making the money right now. Uh, a lot of my guys are 19, 20, like pretty young guys that I make, I, The reason why I've chosen a lot of them to be in the USL is because of just the ability for the clubs to make their own decisions. When you deal with MLS and MLS clubs, that even if you say to Ricardo, hey, we're going to bring Faku in here, we're going to build his profile, he's going to ball out, he's going to get best 11, and then we're going to sell him to Arsenal, right? And Major League Soccer is like, "Ah, we want him for another year or two. You're not selling to Arsenal. It's just, just that how it works. The, the league has that say. In the USL, if the clubs want to if the club wants to sell to Arsenal, the club's wants to sell to Arsenal. You know, and um, and the, so a lot of my players have bigger ambitions than just to play in the US. And they're young, and I know it's easier for my winger to compete against a guy in the USL championship than to compete against to right? <laughs> so play when he's 19, so th- both guys are gonna end up getting seen with now that USL is on ESPN, and you know what I mean, and and the, everyone's on scott and all these Instat and everything. Like, and if you're 19, 20, you if you're playing 35 games and you're getting all these minutes and stuff, compared to a kid that's at home grown getting 10 games off the bench, who they're gonna choose? You know what I mean? And that's my thought process of it is, is that. But then there's going to be those guys that I feel like will be MLS ready. You know, MLS ready. But um, And then that's a whole different aspect in itself. But I think that's my approach. I want to put people where they, they belong, they fit, they can be successful and not just finding them a club just to find them a club. Or just, you know what I mean? But that's where it gets very difficult. Because right now I have a couple of players without contracts and you don't want to know the stress a guy is on there. Oh, yeah. you, know, you know, it's just like being unemployed like you just you, you never know and then when you know that oh i have a finite time to play and i i can't miss you can't have that without club in my transfer market right like you everyone thinking there's so much stress so if they can't sleep i can't sleep and then think about it i might have three of them so i can't sleep time three <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's where the stressful comes. So I think it's better to start smaller, you know, and have guys that you know like what the market wants, and you know what I mean. You know how you can handle it, how and they're you know they're they're good people and like because I've been already in these you know times since oh I've been burned already. It's just the name of the game, you know what I mean. But I want to make sure I do things the right way um because mm-hmm. if not that reputation is forever man like you do something wrong one time and everyone will know so uh, it's, it's best to do it the right way and start off small you don't, you don't need to jump in but if you get that million dollars you know that name <laughs> player right. you only need one of them really you know <laughs> you yeah. really only need one of them because those guys are a conglomerate in itself that's like managing like a fortune 500 company
0: exactly like a company
1: um, yeah um, I don't. I, I I try to stay in my lane in an aspect that I know where my experience are. I jump in where I know I can swim, and then I feel like, all right, I built this up. What's the next phase? We're gonna start up this, and we're gonna get this, and we're gonna get this, and then I'm gonna have a couple of Premier League players. I'm gonna, you know what I mean, because I know I can do it. But I don't. I'm not gonna jump in there without knowing what I do, what the now. Because then I'm doing a disservice for the player, and I'm doing disservice for the then the family and the club um so i that's the the part of the asian life that's it's crazy because i get and i'm not even exaggerating hundreds of players a month now and and i made it my goal to respond to every single one i don't care if you're coming you're terrible and you can't kick a ball but you want to be a pro i will respond and i will say no this is what (laughs) um But it's tough because you're technically breaking people's dreams. And I'm one that, I was a late bloomer. So I can't say, oh, you'll never be a pro. I'll be like, hey, right where I see right now, I can't help you. Because at the end of the day, you need the skills to be able to be Mm -hmm. helped. You can't just say, oh, I see this guy on TV and I'm better than him. And now I'm supposed to believe you. No, it doesn't work like that. And, um, And there's some guys out there, kids out there that I think have the tools, but they're just not ready yet. So I said, hey. Maybe you should play some USL work. Maybe you should go to right. college and try to skip. You know what I mean. And this is, you know, this is what I believe. And you, you're more than welcome to ask someone else. And you know, they might have the other opinion. Um, but the biggest thing too, like you asked about that, they being on the other side, is building your reputation. To be like, hey, this guy usually the players this guy recommends usually pans out. And I'm at the beginning stage of that. I had one, really one that came on trial to Orlando City already and he balled out, but we didn't end up signing him here. But that helped, you know, and now Ricardo was like, oh, this guy guy has has, has something here. But um, it's really hard when I know when a guy would fit and then the club looks at him like, nah, not interested. And this happens all the time. And I look back, for example, I had a player that – he plays in Spain now, but he, he was, he's an Equatorial Guinea international. So he's African nation cup, right? And he was without club. He was leaving uh, the, the, the oil money region from playing for someone. He was only 26 years old, but he went there to play to make some money. I don't know why he did that, left Spain. But he asked me to help him come to the U.S., and he said, obviously you'd want to be an MLS. But he said, I will even come to the championship first, the USL championship first. I'll play, I'll show everyone, and I'll move on I know I'm, I know I'm, I'm, that, I'm good enough to do it. So I was like, all right. So I was speaking to the Charlotte Independents. I'm gonna tell you the club. <laughs> so I was speaking to the coach there, and he said, oh, I need a midfielder. This is the, you know, this is what I need. Blah 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 blah. And I'm like got the one right for you. This guy is not looking for a lot of money. He took at the bill. Da, 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 da. I sent him the, you know, the profile, the video and he's going to go sc- scout him up. He comes back and he says to me, "Yes, he's really technical. He's really good, but I don't know if he can I don't know if he can handle the defensive aspect in this league." I literally have a video of him defending against Sadio
0: Mane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure Mane, like, you saw that.
1: So he can defend Sadio Mane, but he can't defend a guy in the US Championship. <laughs> right? so I was like, I'm like thinking, I'm like, whoa, is that really what I'm like? So he get turned down, so he end up signing Spain. He goes to African Nation Cup, Equator Guinea, brings them to the quarterfinal, final, the matches, everything. I literally has this wow. thing here. They lost to Senegal. You know, going and, yeah. and winning,
0: what a great team sent it off like that.
1: They so and, and that's and, and that's what I have to deal with.
0: <laughs> wow, it's just because yeah.
1: it's, it's just sometimes like people are like very tunnel vision, like they see, they right. know exactly what the type of player they want for this position, and nothing else will change. it I don't care if Messi comes involved; they just like they have this thing. And then sometimes people forget their level. They're like, "Oh, I'm in this." nothing you know what i mean like if this guy's not perfect i don't want it and i'm thinking like if he was perfect he would not be playing. he
0: would be playing the premier league exactly so it's, <laughs>
1: it's this this big thing you have to like kind of think it's like you everyone has their egos everyone has to think and i just have to respectful i'm just like oh thank you for even looking because some people just like right. like you you throw it and then like wow. they know you're standing guys in the league and stuff and you just don't even respond so, and, it's, i blame mean, blaming because if you, they're probably getting reached out by five thousand different agents right. in different countries, and it's just such a, like there's too many players. There's so many players, and like every little kid right here is like wants to be a pro. Think about this in every country,
0: right? You know I mean? Everybody it's has so dreams. Like, we have we have one in one of the in one of the chats there for Facebook. His name is Omar Bamba from from Senegal. No, from Kenya. He's been trying to get signed for the longest time, and he's been hitting up all the Orlando City fan groups just to try to get signed with the club. But just kind of, you know, tying up with, you know, that talk that you were saying, obviously no one can deny the MLS growth, right? Um, But a lot of your market, as you were saying, is in the USL. Um, How important do you think USL has been for the growth of the sport in this country? Uh, Obviously, you know, you were part of USL. You've won Golden Boot. And uh, how do you take the initiative of MLS doing the MLS is next and some clubs kind of moving past and just kind of uh, staying with MLS is next and, and not shying away from – shying away a little bit from USL?
1: Oof. Um, I think it was a necessary split, personally. I think it was necessary for the USL to grow just to, to kind of get off the shadow a little bit out of MLS. I feel like USL has been a huge, major, major, major part of the growth here. I don't think it, we would be sitting here talking about a lot of the things that's going on without USL because guys like Tyler Adams and all those guys playing USL, <laughs> Aaron and Brandon Harris and all those guys playing USL. Without that platform, you're just waiting for first team minutes, you know, mm-hmm. and um. And uh, I think it's been very big in, in the development of players here because not everyone is ready to take this jump. And then some kids are 16, 17, they can't take the jump. Like, you just need that maturity aspect. Um, I think USL is at a, the perfect spot, and I think they were at that spot maybe one or two years ago, where the MLS2 teams were actually deteriorating the product on the field. Um, I feel like, obviously, the MLS2 team has – that goal of produce for helping produce and then developing players for the MLS team they're not they're not there technically to win you know what I mean and, and to have the budget enough to win and it was actually a bad bad reflect uh reflection on the league in a sense where where you have these kids some of these kids are winning and some of the bigger clubs the standalone club is like hey maybe we can win with some kids too let's not pay these these veteran players what they're worth, let's just get a bunch of kids too. And it was kind of like harming this the livelihoods of sex, some of these more um, you know, stalwart players in the league. So it's it's always I used to always want the standalone teams to do better in the in, in the USL just because of that. Because people get our ideas. People are like, all right, well where do we need to invest in these big money players when you know what I mean? So the it deteriorates the quality overall of the league when you just, everyone just getting random college kids a year and just making their whole team of them. You know what I mean? It's because technically there can't be enough. T- if, they, if they were that talented, they'd probably be in the MLS. I mean, you, you can't get enough of those young, talented players to make up a whole team. All right, so I thought that, that was good. I think the USL, like I said, is at a place now where the, it's the fastest growing league in the world. And um, as they were saying, the expansion is going through the roof. But uh, the product is now pretty consistent. Player, players are getting transferred by themselves to big clubs in, in Europe. Um, and that's what the USL wants to do now. USL USO wants to compete with the MLS for these players. And obviously, I've been an agent for, uh, to help them to do that. You know what I mean? To help them get those players, these national team young guys that probably would have gone to MLS 2 teams start. Because um, um, I believe that, like I said, I told you about how, how I believe those players could get meaningful minutes instead of, you know, playing academy football. Or, you know, they could play against real pros and, you know, like Tyler Adams and, and you know, all those guys did. Um, and, um, and MLS is in no... You know, they, they're in a whole different atmosphere. Like you don't have to worry about USL. Like that. They're you know, you can get you're getting fifteen million dollar transfers now and you know, you're in big billionaire territories now. You don't have to worry about it anymore. It's not really a competition, right? So I think USL is in his own lane and you do their own they're doing and they're become they're gonna become a selling league for in the, in the in the time being where they're looking to to get these to put good products on the field and pay these older guys but also produce these Diego Lunas and you know gallegos and you know guy and, and Jonathan Gomez that moved to Real Sociedad and guys like that that can you know really you know get a standard high. And meanwhile, MLS is looking to with this MLS Next Pro to still have that path but in their own control by themselves. And I'm not, I don't know what to think of the MLS Next. No one knows. This is this is the own the, the MLS teams themselves don't know what this MLS Next Pro's um, league will like feel like and look like. Um, it's yet to be seen but I know too that the the old model of playing MLS teams and playing each other which was the old reserve league in the past, wasn't really cutting it because there's no fans really. There's no like, you know, there's nothing really to, you know, no one really anyone wanted to just be on the first team. So I hope that's not the case. They're marketing it like it won't be the case. They're, they're, the rules seem a, a lot different. Um, and then uh, you have Jamie Vardy's Rochester Rhinos that are in there to be standalone teams. Um I don't know. I don't have a player in there right now. I'm looking to put a couple of players in there just to test it out because I feel like those are players that would fit.
0: Yeah, um, and there is a lot of youth, um, youth twenty. Like for example, I know South American, like for the Peruvian national team, like they're gonna they're in the under twenty. There's a David Mejia from Atlanta United um, two. Uh, there's Diego Toya from New Red Bulls, um, and there's a couple more. Uh, playing um, you know MLS is next and so it's it's created some sort of buzz believe it or not um, in over there in South America because now players that are playing like maybe in the lesser known leagues not Brazilian not Argentina not Uruguay but maybe Peru Chile you know Venezuela they're trying to you know hey there's this other league i can maybe go you know and uh and, and try to get my path over into into mls right so yeah. um i think uh the growth is definitely there and you know i kind of wanted to ask you a- another question something you know more more recent uh, obviously as you know um you've been keeping up probably with orlando city what are your thoughts um from obviously you saw you know, Inchi being the coach. And then, you know, you saw um, James O'Connor also taking that, Jason Christ. What what are your thoughts on, on, on Pareja's group? Uh, specifically Pareja's group, what he has accomplished uh in, in the in his tenure, and, and the players, some of the players who've seen this picture, right? This is a brand new picture from this year, you know, Facundo Torres, Erjan Kara, Junior Urso, Alexandre Pato, and Benji Michel, which is a homegrown. What are, what are your thoughts of the team on, on the style of play? Obviously, you wore purple. You kind of know, uh, you know, obviously, I know it's, it was a different experience, but what are your thoughts uh, of, of Pardishead's team at the moment?
1: Oh, well, I've always respected Oscar. I've, I've always respected him. Because we played... He was... they. Uh, we played against him in the Open Cup and stuff like that back in the days when we were in the USL to... Um, oh, I've always known guys that have played for him and spoke really highly. he's he's definitely a, good, a great manager. that's that's from the top like I know that. <laughs> that's nothing to to even discuss. Um, I think that be, before the selling of the team, um, I feel like there was a it was chaotic when it comes to signings and stuff like that because I, I didn't like how do I even really I, I think that the 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 old ownership was on its way new is on its way out kind of thing so it's like how much do we invest how much do you know what I mean and, and now that the new ownership is there and then now it's a new era I think that opens up as you see with factor that would have, that may have yeah. never happened in the past these big money you know signings it looks like um, Orlando is now stepping that, you know, that, uh, that budget up a bit. Um, um, I think that Ricardo, they seem to have made very in- great signings, meaning that it doesn't have to be these flashy, sexy signings where a lot of clubs do They just have to fit your culture and you fit your style. And a lot of people miss on this because you go for the biggest players available or the most talented players available all the time. And um, as you can see with, you know, with some clubs where you just, you know, take these big players, you know, and then they just, you know, it's kind of falter. Or they might do their part, but the team around them just struggles because they don't have that support. And I feel like that was Orlando City a bit with Kaká here. I don't people don't think he, you know, maybe produces much, but like, the team wasn't as strong. It was really built around. If he was in this team, it would be a lot different. Would be a, he'd be putting up a lot different numbers, a lot of different things. I think this is probably one of the strongest Orlando teams uh, I've seen um, in comparison to the league they're playing in, compared to how it was. Um, I think, I still think, <clears throat> I still think, We're a a couple pieces away from really being title contenders. I feel like this is a playoff team, for sure, because with Oscar, everything's possible with playoffs. He just has that – keeps that discipline in his team and that closeness in that team that, like, you really need to – you know he's going to get points when he shouldn't. You know he's going to – you know what I mean? That kind of thing to get them there. Um, But I think the team is is still – the X factors are, are still to be seen. Like Fabregas is going to take some. It's going to take him some time to get there. He's still a younger uh, DP. Um, Pato is brilliant. I think that if he stays healthy, that's that's pretty X factorish. You know what I mean? It's just getting him into into a rhythm with whoever he's around. Kara has done it in a, in a high level before, but he's going to need that service. Um, uh, I think or so. I think the royal kid that. The new number five yeah, he's, he's the, great like, like engine and stuff but it's it's very it's it's very pragmatic like, like it's very it's a, it's a very like work hard pull up your sleeves kind of team i don't think it's it's very uh beautiful footballish kind of team i don't think they pretend to be that way right um, um but it would be nice if we get to that <laughs> point at some point. I mean, I'm just an attacking player kind of guy. So I, I know, but you have to, I, I'm a big fan of you play what to your team's strength. So, I, I, a lot of coaches like, oh, we want to play attacking football. We and they, just, they just say what the fans want to hear and they just lose. <laughs> I'd rather win 1-0 than lose 5-4 every game, every time. Like, I, It's just not, you know, and every player would say that too. You know, it's just selfish if you think otherwise. Um, so, like, the FC Cincinnati game, like, I know you guys are going to ask about this. So, yeah, sure, let me sure. just what you ask.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I mean, just to dive in, and I know Dave probably has to speak to his mind as well. I mean, um, in the fans' perspective, they were seeing it as, this is an easy-peasy game. It's just a game that's just going to happen, and we're going to get there. We're going to probably score three in the first half, and Clearly Orlando had the opportunities to score. And, you know, there was a couple of uh, key players in the other side that had a a hell of a great game. You know, I will say Alec Khan, their keeper, was for me spot on, Um, had three or four saves, that denied um, the goals for Orlando City. Um, And he just had a brilliant night. Um, Also in the mid, uh, I think Acosta... Did pretty good to associate in the first half with Vasquez, which obviously had a hat trick, almost a hat trick. And then in the second half, he actually did pretty good associating with Baji right up front. Baji had a, like a rocky first half, in my opinion. Um, also, good game from, from Kubo and Murphy. I think uh, they did pretty well as well. And in the side of Orlando, um, like you were saying, you know, it's going to take time for for this team to kind of gel together. I think they're getting somewhere. They had a huge passing rate, um, some players. I think the match Matos Jr. or so. Yeah, they dominated
2: in uh, everything.
0: Yeah, they dominated everything. It's just yeah. the ball wasn't going behind the – wasn't going in the, in, in, in the goal. So my question for you, and then I'll, I'll give the mic to Dave. As an attacker, and you've seen this team, this new team play, You know, especially how they associate with the wings. Now, Pato is playing as a left wing and he did pretty good last game. Um, What's, you know, Oscar said we're missing a punch. We're just missing that punch, that final punch. What do you think Orlando, attacking wise, should probably do? Just maintain the same system, try to find depending the, the opponent changing systems um, here each, each game or every two games or depending who they're facing, uh, because it seems like, um, you know, the connections are, 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 are getting there. Like Torres is connecting with Ruan on the right. Then, and, you know, like on the last game, um, he connected with Alexandre Pato as well when he tried to go in the mid. Mutinho um, as well, gr- growing as a player. What do you think, uh, Orlando's? Are things that they can improve uh, attacking wise?
1: Um, all right. So there's it, it's all it's all great. Like a lot of people like to you know you work on your build up or your shape, and it's very easy. I wouldn't say easy, but it, it's it's a lot easier to work on shape and defensive structure and pressing and when you lose the ball and blah 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 blah. But it takes a certain kind of quality to break a team down especially a team that you deem inferior so when you're facing a team that's pretty level with you they're gonna they're gonna have some holes because they're gonna attack you just like you're attacking them it becomes this kind of like you know one you know back and forth kind of game but when you have a team like Cincinnati that's coming off 14 game losing streaks and you know coming away that you they're not gonna play you straight up you know what I mean? They're going to try to count. It's like, just technically what they should do. It would be, you know what I mean? So when a team is playing that low block, it takes, it's, it's, it's a lot. You have to either move the ball fast in, so they can't shift as quickly or you have to have that certain amount of creativity where you, you know what I mean? Or you just, you know, you have that special moment. One, one of those things have to happen. I feel like Orlando City have the very, To play a team evenly right now like you're you know what i mean like you're still gonna get your chances blah 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 they're gonna get a lot of chances when they need to because they they have the quality in their own roster now but in the final third things have to click guys have to know each other like really well for you to break down team they gotta know when you're gonna want to oh the muscle memory yeah pereira likes to to look this way and hit a reverse ball. So I need to be ready to make my run. Like, like these kind of thing. Oh, oh, oh my God. Pat, when Pato gets the ball turned and he's under pressure, he likes to play around the corner and come back for a set. So Kara needs to know that. Like Kara, we need to know that, oh, when Pato F- gets the ball, he likes to go down the wing, make a couple of stepovers, cut inside on his left foot and serves the ball. So as Kara, I need to know when, when he's getting, when he's ready, getting ready to cut, I start my movement and I get, these are the things, these are the, like the chemistry things. That needs to go to plays. and it's too early right now for right. this team to really like show their full potential. Um, and I think that's what's missing, really. And, and I think the players are there, in a sense, it's just missing. But it's really hard to get. Some teams never find that chemistry throughout a whole season. We've seen it. We've seen it in multiple teams, right? We've seen Alana with um, Martinez, he did Martinez, right. when he came in being the thing. He just never fit. In a, in a sense that they thought it would compete to Al Moran um, I just it, it's that it's, I think that's really what missing I don't think is any specific uh, players obviously yeah if you put in maybe Messi maybe,
0: <laughs> Ronaldo you know, up, Ronaldo extra
1: quality, but I think what the players have I think you like you, like I saw that come on we've created chances um, sometimes football is cruel man sometimes you just don't bounce your way um but if you weren't creating chances, if we didn't look like we had the that bite, then there would be something to really, um, you know, really be worried about. But also, I think Cincinnati is also creating a lot of chances. People are not getting credit for it. The last game they had, I, I, they missed a lot of chances. Vasquez itself probably missed two or three. Um, but I don't feel like they have the unity in their team. They're giving up as many chances as they're producing. Orlando was giving up chances, so many chances, just because they knew the opponent was inferior and they're pushing to the kill him at home. I thought that's something we need to like kind of probably shore up, but that's the players on the field. That's what right. the thing they to figure out.
0: And, uh, and uh, before we give, give it back to uh, Dave, um, I want to tell everybody in the chat, uh, keep leaving your comments. We're going to read them in just a few and obviously subscribe to the channel and give a thumbs up because that's where we get more people. So thank you so much to Daniel, Matt, Phil, Jim, everybody uh, on the chat. Thank you so much, Dave. Go ahead. Well, uh, I'll be I'll be very
2: short. Um, the only thing that I caught on Saturday night was probably a cold. It was <laughs> it was probably one of the worst times I had at the stadium. Uh, I fried the first game. This time it, it it was cold. One thing I have to say, my friends, and you cannot usher the kids out of the room because uh, now we're gonna we're gonna go to the uh, to the meaty graded. Right? Uh, the fact of the matter is, it wasn't the ref, it wasn't the weather, it wasn't anything other than we lost to a team that executed a plan, and we were chasing that game. First goal, in my opinion, was a god punch, and we were chasing the game. This is something that we have done in the past. The stats say that the team that scores first has the higher possibility of winning. Um, Junior Urso's goal was fantastic. This is from um, Facu Torres. If you look at the statistics and you subtract the uh, the, 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 the result, People will think, oh, Atlanta City definitely won that game by five goals to nil. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Um, the second goal, in my opinion, uh, there was a bunch of errors that snowballed. And at the end, they just they just hit us with, with a good counterattack, and, and, and they got the goal. After that, we were pulling rabbits out of hats in order to – uh, tried to uh, to win the game. Unfortunately, it did not happen that way. Now, uh, I said uh, last week, my friends, that anything other than a win was was a failure for a team that, in my opinion, is, is inferior to Orlando City. Even if we would have gone out of there with a tie, I would have felt the same way. Um, but, food, like like Dennis has said, I say it all the time, football is cruel and unpredictable. And uh, to quote the great uh, uh, Inchi, Goals change games. So, unfortunately, we lost a game. Of course, all the haters go on social media, make fun of people. People get mad. But you know what? Real footballers, real fans understand that you're gonna win games that you're not supposed to win, and you're gonna lose games you're not supposed to lose. Uh, this, this, this football. If, if my friends, if football. Uh, it's it, football is not for you if you're looking for instant gratification. I suggest that you go pick flowers in a meadow, you take uh, crochet or something like that. Football is not uh, a sport for instant gratification. It's, it's for the long haul. It's, it's a, a strategy rather than just scoring a ton of goals. And um, it was an hour night. It was an hour night, and it's water on the bridge, an experience that some of these guys needed to learn. And uh, of course, with losing at home hurts a little bit because you're in front of your uh, home crowd. You slept in your own bed. You drove your own car. So obviously the advantage should be in your favor. I think what compounds the pain here, my friends, is the fact that we were robbed of two points in Chicago. Every MLS talking head says that should have been a goal, but unfortunately things went the way they went. And to conclude, uh, listen, I uh, uh there was there was once again Luis Dennis. There was people calling for Oscar Pareja's head oh, in my yeah. study, in section thirty three. Uh, that's why uh, I'm moving yeah. next to back to my section. Uh, I, I can't
0: I was gonna believe ask
2: him that. I can't believe this man.
0: No, I, I was gonna I, I was gonna ask uh, Dennis that because you know he gives the insight as somebody that has scored and you know. So many goals for Orlando City. I mean, people don't realize. I'm just a fat
2: guy. I'm just a right. fat guy. Dennis um, actually has
0: run there for 90 minutes. Right. I mean, he he's he's been there. He's gone golden boot. He's been one of the best players in, in for Orlando City throughout their history. I mean, that's no doubt. And that's not blowing and, and kissing him in the mouth or anything like that. This is just a stating facts, you know? Yeah. And and honestly, what I read on on Facebook, it was just appalling. I mean, it was just uh Borderline crazy. Uh, everybody's a soccer expert now, right? And uh, we we didn't really wanted to come here, right? And just be like, oh, we told you so, or oh, we have to look, you know. And we brought Dennis Chin, you know. Like I mean, and and Dennis, I mean, the negativity. This is game two. I mean, it was pretty much is the second game at home, right? I mean, three games, right? And um, I totally understand the whole perspective of, you know, season pass holder and, and you know, you know you're, you're paying and you're going. This is not a horse race, right? This is not a greyhound race. This is not, I mean, this is essentially soccer. So, so, like you were saying, you know, it takes time. These are new signings, three new signings that we've had, but in three very key important positions. You know, we just lost Daryl DK, right? Daryl DK is, is in WBA, and uh, he's probably going to be in the national team for many more years to come. Um, Chris Mueller has been in the in the in the product of Orlando City for many years, also, right? Knows Oscar Pereja is one of his mentors and things like that. He's going to Hiber- Hibernian, right? So we've got a new new youth, you know, and and you saw based on the stats things clicking. Well, what do you tell the fan that is just literally scraping the whole season away? So, I mean, there are people saying, we're not going to even make it to the playoffs anymore. Mm-hmm. These are people, I mean, I, I would love to put them on the spotlight and put their, uh, you know, their, their messages or whatever, their, their messages on Facebook or whatnot. But, you know, to me, it's just, I mean, it's just nonsensical. I mean, w- what do you make of that? I mean, as a player, w- does it hurt seeing this type of stuff online?
1: um yes um but like for when it comes to to supporting and um i because of being a player i I, i've seen it a lot different because i'm an arsenal fan right i i I went to support so and then i find myself like you know when things happen like oh this guy like (laughs) like oh my god he got missed again and you kind of be like oh like you know what i mean like though no, is very very few players out there that i know that don't try to give it up their best every single time they touch the field they have just as much to lose than they want even if they're not playing for the crest and they're playing for themselves they have to because it's a what you can do for me now kind of sport like most sports are and most things in life are so on a player aspect they're trying to do their best sometimes things just don't click and things just don't go your way and just like anyone else they have emotional things that happen in the game and they might lose their head and they might be here. and and then sometimes you're just not built for the level and there's differences there's some people just doing their best and this is just their limits and then there's some people that their limits are here and they're they're not even reaching those limits. So as a fan, is that we have to remind ourselves, is like we have to look at it this way. It's always hard to lose. It hurts. It's embarrassing. It's you know what I mean? But I feel like no excuses made. There's no excuses made when it seems like if you know football enough to know that if the XG, if you have chances created. You have, you know what I mean? The guys are motivated to win. You see the guys are trying to score and it's just not going in for them. You see that we look like we're a team. We look under organized, blah, blah. You see the coaches are like there, like pushing the team. If you see these things on the field, then you sh- you gotta chill. <laughs> it's not, you know, what I mean? <laughs> now when you start seeing the the whole bad body language, like I was, I see some stuff about it Into Miami. You see, bad body language from some the, the the leaders. You see guys looking at guys like they can't play or like, what are we doing here? You see coaches look like, oh, like no matter what I do, <laughs> these guys don't listen. Like you can see these things body language wise. Like Artesani. Like, like, an insider into the thing, into the team. And and then if you see something, you're concerned. But, um, but that being said, it's just sometimes some people they like football players a certain way. And unless they've played a certain way, they're not gonna like it. So no matter what Oscar does, you can win 15 games in a row and he they're just waiting for that one. <laughs> and he loses, they're gonna be on it. So it's just you never what I had to learn the hard way is that you can't please everybody. I've had times where in the past, like I was winning and scored goals, blah blah blah. It's all good. And as soon as you miss a chance or we lose yeah. a game, we tie the game, it's like Ah, this guy this guy stays with the chances. You know what I mean? It's like your whole everything shifts. Like, you know, so it's for I would never recommend players and my players especially to read that kind of stuff because it's just it's noise. It's background right. noise because at the end of the day no one everyone doesn't have the context. Like at at some points I've done things on the field where I was doing it just for a team when I knew it was wrong. I went out there to say, oh, the coach told me to do this. I know it's not going to work, but I'm going to do it anyway just so I I keep my job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and he, As fans, you don't know that. You don't know that the coach told me to press the whole time, and now by the time I'm pressing as a forward, I don't have the lungs. By the time the ball comes up to me, I can't even hold the ball up and my feet are look numb and I can't hold the ball up. I know I look like I can't take touches. You don't know that. You don't know how that feels. You're just, you're just seeing what's, what's out of there. So. Um, that being said, you're in every right to rip players. <laughs> you have every right to do that as well. It's just how you want to release your emotions. It's what it's entertainment. At the end of the day, we're as players, we're playing a game to entertain it's for your support. And you pay your money in the tickets. You you can do it in a in a rips and rage. People, you see PSG fans booing oh, them. No, on. Right? I know, mean, It's just it's just. It's just the way of the world, you know, so I can't really get mad. But at the end of the day, every team, when the fan base seems to have only one or two haters, a team usually does well. But when it gets too far, it will start affecting the locker room. And I'm telling you this right now because I've seen it. I've seen when fans take it too far because they're like, oh, I'm trying to have this narrative and blah, 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 blah. We suck, we suck, we suck. And then the players will read that, some of them. And then they'll start thinking, now we suck anyway. It's like, what are we? And it'll start affecting your plan field. Wow. So um, I would be careful of it, but you're still in the right to, to
0: do so. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, you know, um, to me, you know, it, it, it was crazy, you know, when Orlando reached the MLS uh, back final, you know, and, and you know, we we were, we lost it by this. And, you uh, yeah, you know, obviously, it was it was heartbreak for a lot of people because it would have been a, a big championship uh, win for for Orlando for sure. Uh, but it, it gave it gave this team, um, you know, two back-to-back playoff wins, you know, and, you know playoff berths, you know, and um, it, it's just it changed the whole culture of the team, which I think it was a win to me. I mean, we would have not won the championship, but I mean negativity is always going to be there, right? Um, and, and, and this is one thing that I, I, I say it as you cannot treat soccer, and this is what I saw a lot in, in a lot of the comments. You can't treat soccer or football as college football or as, or as the NFL. I mean, it's just, it's just not the same level. Uh, it's not the same expectation. And I think a lot of the fans are sometimes falling to that. And, and they expect uh, greatness like they see maybe in the Premier League or maybe if they see, you know, League One or, or, the, or La Liga. And, you know, MLS is, is a growing sport. And uh, if we live in Orlando and after seeing, you know, what we have in Orlando, Orlando City, it is our club. It is. It is. I mean, think about it. You got the Orlando Magic. I don't know what's happened to that since Dwight Power left. You know, Orlando City is right now the staple of the city, in my opinion. And um, it's just seeing so much negativity. I, I, I would hate as a, as a, if I was a player. I'll be like, yeah, I'm tuning off. I'm tuning off right away. I I, I don't wanna. I, I don't even wanna read this. But unfortunately, we can't. You know, yes, lost at home, lost at home. You know, uh, Cincinnati, all credit to do, good for them. But let's move on, right? I mean, LA Galaxy is coming next. Uh, That's true. Top the opponent, right, Dave? Um, Yeah, and uh, we only – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. uh, No, We all have
2: only played uh, them three times in our history. We defeated them in 2015 here at home. Uh, We went to L.A. 2016. We lost there. They came back to our house in 2019 and uh, defeated us uh, Uh, 1-0. Obviously, they look very differently than uh, what what they were back then. Uh, Same with us. We haven't played them in 2020 or 2021. So it should be interesting going away. Uh, At this point, this is the longest uh, trip on the road for Orlando City. Uh, since uh, 2019, it's going to be a great experience for some of the young guys. Um, I go with the same expectation that I go to every single game. I don't care if we are playing Real Madrid. I'm going to photo a win. Orlando City needs to do that. We can't really sit back and cry over what happened in Chicago, what happened at home. We just got to go and try to get the results. Um they come, they're coming from after a lost uh, 3-2 against Seattle yeah, I mean top, top I mean yeah obviously so they want the to teams, yes they, they they want to they want to win at home they want to do it for the fans and we need to play spoiler um and uh, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say this we just we just got to keep believing that it's going to happen for us you know obviously other teams they seem to never have a hard time. Everything is easy for them. Everything falls on their lap. We can't keep doing that. We can't keep looking out to our right or to our left. We need to keep looking forward because we may we may be missing uh, what's ahead of us. We may uh, run into a tree. So uh, add to the fans, yeah, it, it was bad. Guess what, my friends? Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. It's not gonna be the last time. You know, we're gonna we're gonna draw points, like I said, we're gonna have we're gonna have bad games. Uh so it, I was talking to Sergio Ristorres, our friend, uh voice of uh City in Spanish, who said your regular night may be somebody's greatest night. And that unfortunately in football, sometimes it happens that way. Uh Cincinnati, hey, they might go out and lose all their games. Who knows? All I know is that when we go to Cincinnati, we're gonna have our chance to avenge this defeat. And embarrass them and, and and do that. But for right now, LA Galaxy is is, a, is our immediate future, and uh, we need to start focusing on that. And we need to, uh, you know, go and and, and score. I think uh, one of the things that we should focus on is the fact that we have scored in every single game. I don't care what happened in Chicago; that was a, that was a goal that was scored. Uh, we also are looking very aggressive, and uh, we just gotta stay to our plan. You know, what happened last week is last week. Next week. Is a brand new day. That's the beauty of football. There's 31 more games to be played, and uh, you know if we're gonna be start, we're gonna concentrate on this one moment. We may miss uh, a lot ahead of us. So, so yeah. So, with uh, I know we're pressed for time, but uh, I want to say I just got the notification on my phone that uh, Scott Hall has passed. Uh, great wrestler, great entertainer. Part of oh. my teens, uh, my twenties, my early twenties. And uh, I, I want to quote him because he had this famous speech when he was inducted in the uh, Wrestling Hall of Fame where he said, bad times don't last, bad guys do. And at uh, 655 West Church Street, there's 32 bad dudes that were purple that I know that need your support and that need, uh, that need you to be there. Staying home, crying on Facebook. And talking trash about fire this guy, fire that guy is not going to get us anywhere, my friends. I started watching this, fan, this club with that man right there who lifted plenty of trophies in this, in this club in a dilapidated Citrus Bowl with less than 3,000 fans. I did that, and I'm very proud of that. This man right here lifted, uh, lifted trophies. This man scored goals. You cannot let his legacy go to waste if we are going to act that way. So we had, we had a bad uh, bad, a bad five seasons and a bad game last week. So what? Clubs are forever. And to quote uh, Tom Traxman with this, i give you guys a microphone. Players and staff come and go. The supporter remains. That's the reason. That's the lifeblood of a club. And if you are going to be there for the good times and not for the bad times, you cannot feast with us. If you're not willing to starve right now. Because I tell you what, I keep my mental note of everybody around me. And when we start to lift that trophy, if you have been missing, I'm gonna let you know.
0: And uh, wow, man, that's uh, that's that's deep. That's deep. Um just to end things real quick, uh Dennis, uh just um, my last question and then you know we'll we'll let you obviously get on and obviously we appreciate you being here hopefully it's not the last time we have you over it will be great to have you all obviously you know whenever you know you have some interesting movement on your on your side on your business we would love to know you know what are the new new players coming up great to, to, to even have them here at some point have you here uh and also discuss more about Orlando City at some point and, and, and have your input, right? Because, again, you know, for us, uh, at least for me, you're also an, 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 an CSC legend for sure. Uh, part of a cornerstone of this club, I- indeed. And I think no one can deny it. But my last question is this. We're seeing, right, you're seeing right there their four four two formation for the LA Galaxy. I'm going to give you really quick my overview. Some of the players that I think are going to be, you know, very influential in this game. Araujo, the right back, uh, Cabral. I think what he has done in the last two games for he has changed the the mid there. Uh, I think more than uh, even Douglas Costa. Obviously, we saw Douglas Costa getting obviously almost at a ten or a false nine at some point uh, playing um, right wing, and obviously up front, Chicharito and Alvarez. What do you make out of this LA Galaxy team? Um, and what what are you what are your thoughts on how should we play this level of a team should we play them like we did against cincinnati maybe keep the same system uh should we maybe uh play with an extra six or an extra five right there in the mid maybe two defensive midfielders uh what are your thoughts
1: i think personally i think this is a very dangerous team um i think they're much different than the past um they have a lot of people that can hurt you. Edwards had like two assists last game or even one of them or half assists. And Raheem Edwards, Alvarez is just this kid. You don't know what he can pull something out of a hat everywhere. Chicharito has fantastic movement. I mean, a guy can, his movement off the ball is elite. And then obviously Douglas Costa at any point can break you down. It's just like Cabral, that speed. Raho is good. It is a very balanced team. It's probably one of the best teams you'll, uh, I think, uh, will face all season. Um, I, one thing about the MLS, and to go back to what we we're speaking about, it's probably one of the most balanced, if not the most balanced league in the world. So, as you can see, the first it only took three weekends for every team to lose at drop points. <laughs> um, you wouldn't see that happening in most leagues because after 100 years of playing Premier League football, you kind of figure out what it takes to win and lose. And there's no caps on salary, so these big money spenders can just pull away. You have that here. So we have to know that teams will go 15 and 15 to make playoffs <laughs> in a lot of times. So, like, so it's such a weird league where, where you lose 5-0 one game and then you go win a title. I was mean, like, look at the UFC last year. Like, it's crazy. Craziest league ever. So if I was playing against a team like this away, I'd be very, very compact. I would be, um, I would have if is playing on top, He's gonna have to hold up the ball. If it's gonna depend on that pivot that night, because if he can hold some balls out that we clear when these that we're under pressure and get Faku and Pato and Benji comes in into the game, you stand a chance. We can get hurt them because then you know they're gonna push have yeah, good attacking players they're always going to get forward Edward's going to get forward and if you and, and if we can get the time and him can he can hold up the ball and get Juan and all those guys in we can we can hurt them but right now I think this team is firing quickly on the cylinders even though they're new as well com- compared to Orlando so I wouldn't play them head-on just play play at home at their home now when they come to Orlando, that's a whole different ballgame. After nine hours, fifteen hours of travel yeah. <laughs> and going over there to play, I would be I would I would I would really be compact. I think Oscar would do this anyways. I think he'll gonna he's gonna look be a compact, absorb the pressure, absorb the pressure, and then punish him. I mean, that's basically that's basically how they defeated Charlotte. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Charlotte is right. not good and whatever, but they just, they just they didn't even compact. Patty they got their chances here and there. Charlotte was getting a lot of chances. And then Alvarez scored and then it just silenced like 75,000 people. So I think that this is a very, very, I think this is our biggest test yet.
0: Excellent. Uh, well, uh, I want to again um, read some comments before we go. Uh, Ahmed Salim says, it gets worse before it gets better. You need to believe in your team. Um, very true. Uh, we have the talent to win against L.A. We just need to work out the chemistry. Uh, Daniel Phillips, thank you so much for watching. It says, the guys seem to be getting really frustrated in the final minutes. I think uh, the time-wasting by Cincinnati at the end of the game got in the head of some of our guys. You could see it on their face. Yeah, I I believe so, too. They got a lot of yellow cards, um, Cincinnati. Uh, You got to play above the refs even when they make trash calls. Uh, What are your thoughts on pro refs? Uh, Also, real quick, uh, Dennis. (laughs) <laughs> so they they they've they've probably been uh, friend friend and foe for some clubs. maybe not on OBT. That's the answer.
1: Yeah, uh, I just they uh, belong like on OBT. <laughs> it's tough. It's just so tough. It's just so much human mistakes. But with VR I feel like you get so more. You can change these mistakes. So I just don't get what some of these decisions. I just don't understand sometimes because. You now have the ability to say, "Oh, I might have made a bad call in the field." When you know, let me look back at it and see. And I just feel like maybe it's hubris. Maybe a lot of them just don't want to change their thoughts on what they called, or maybe I, I don't know. But it's not as good as it should be. I think. Do, do,
0: do you fun. see them officiating in the 2026 World Cup with that level of officiating? <laughs> I mean, to me, that's that's just preposterous. Do you even- <laughs> Dude, I mean, yeah, the, 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 it's funny, but
1: like every league complains about their refs. <laughs> 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 it's a lose-lose. I don't know. Like, I, personally, I feel like it's 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 a lose-lose. I think the majority are going to be average, people just average, and they're going to get you know what I mean. And then they're going to be those three or four. I feel like that are just on the money, I and mean, we just got to hope we get one of those because that's really how it is in refereeing. I feel like it's just that. Like, there's some people that just, they're just real sharp. They're really sharp. They can, they can feel the atmosphere. They can feel the, how a game is, you know, and progressing, when to let a car go here, when to call it here. Just, I think it's a gift, just like anything else. And I think most people don't have it. So that's why you, you get these stars and why they, you know, they suck so much. But uh, it's, it's, it's difficult.
0: Uh, okay, and then we end with Daniel Phillips. who says, uh, "I was really impressed with the attacking chances we created. Hats off to the goalkeeper. I would love to see a few more quick strikes in transition." Phil Talk Sports, what a what a get! Dennis is a legend. Uh, that's so great. Phil Talk Sports, thank you so much. Jim D, OC legend in the house. And well, I want to um, thank everybody to, uh, that have, has been here. An hour and forty-five minutes. Of uh, talking to Dennis Chin. Uh, I personally, I've enjoyed this conversation as well. Absolutely. I'm sure Dave, uh, all the fans, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, check us out. Um, again, we are Loud and Proud Orlando. We're going to be bringing you the best content uh, for Orlando City, Orlando Proud and OCB. Um, we're on YouTube. Click on notification bell for all notifications. Facebook as well, live right now. Uh, twitter as well we're live right now in periscope um, or twitter at lpo underscore podcast uh, i also want to go ahead and uh, tell you guys that we are currently still looking for more people to join our team uh join us a lot of pride orlando uh, If you want to get to cover ocsc ocb orlando pride writers journalists city pride fans send us a dm uh we'll definitely make it happen um, um, you know you'll be able to cover the team with me uh, I want to thank also Orlando City Communications for all the footage uh, and all the pictures as well that we played in this uh, program today and uh, again thank you Dennis for being here uh, absolutely uh, Dennis uh, your social media where people can find you
1: uh, for Twitter is at the and y 15
0: and uh, Instagram at
1: DChain15. And um, J sports, C-H-Y-N sports
0: for all nice the others. And Dave, last uh, conclusion. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Uh, again, Dennis, thank you very much. I followed Dennis for well, a ton of years. Uh, he is a true Orlando City legend. I have a lot of respect for him. He, This man brought me a lot of joy back in the old days. And uh, the opportunity to talk to him today—it's—it's it's a dream come true, <laughs> like they say. Uh, so that is again, thank you for accepting the invitation. Obviously, this is not going to be the last time for sure. We'll, we'll definitely, and whenever you want to come, this is your house. Um, and uh, thank you, thank you for everything you did for this club in those four years. Uh, it has not been
0: forgotten—at least not
2: by this humble.
0: All right, uh, same here. Same here. Uh, a pleasure to have you, Dennis. And uh, last thing you want to say before we we uh, put the outro.
1: Oh yeah. Um, first of all, thank you uh, for having me. Um, I'm always open for any input for people who want to know anything about the other side of the sport. I'm one of the more accessible guy the guys because I've I've always I've always been the guy that's a fan as well. So. I feel the frustrations. <laughs> I see the game the way it is. And uh, anything you guys need, anyone of you guys want to reach out, you know, let me know, and uh, I'll be happy to, to respond and see what I, what I can do.
0: Well, thank you to everybody. Um, check us out again on Spotify, uh, audio version as well. We'll be up uh, shortly, and as well on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. This has been Latin Ferrolando. We'll see you next Monday. Thank you so much. Vamos, Orlando! Vamos, Orlando. <laughs> Let's go. As LPO underscore podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and vamos, Orlando.